We're sending the boss baby a French dispatch and we're dumping Evan Hansen on a dune. I'm Van Connor. And I'm Vex Perfect. And this is Off Screen, your seven day guide to everything movies. Boom. Groovy. Welcome to Offscreen and Van, I have to applaud you each and every week for coming up with more and more of a better intro. Uh, that was particularly excellent and you should be giving yourself a pat on the back. They can't all be gems. Some, some, some weeks we get some really naff. Like, like, how are you going to do the thing with Eurydice Guzman? Yeah, last week? yeah, yeah exactly. Sometimes we get some stompers. I appreciate the effort when you do have one of those, though. Um, so welcome to Offscreen, everyone. Welcome to another week, actually a blockbuster week of movies. We've got a bit of Wes Anderson in there, a bit of Denis Villeneuve. We've got a big boss baby, and we've got something else as well that I'm not sure that Van is... Well, actually, I'm going to say to you guys, you're going to want to wait and listen to hear what Van's got to say about Evan Hansen because it's going to be worth it. Um, but let's kick off with our first movie of the day, which is, uh, uh, is it The French Dispatch that we're kicking off with? The French Dispatch, yes, the return of Wes Anderson. So, you know, you know we must be entering award season. Like, award season's got to be coming because Wes Anderson's back. That's like the rule, isn't he? Also, it can feels I just like add, we've just, yeah. You know when you, you, know like when you we... see the two? Do you ever do yeah. you mistake? Uh, do, you, do you ever mistake Noah Baumbach and Wes Anderson? Because every time yes, I see I Greta do. Gerwig, yeah, every time I see Greta Gerwig at a premiere, I'm like, is she married to Wes Anderson? And they're like, oh no, it's that's so that's confusing. The other guy. Yeah, it's so confusing. But I was going to say, is it award season again? We've just had it. Like Emerald Fennell has just given that really cringeworthy acceptance speech. I mean, that literally just happened. It's, <laughs> it's coming up, again. and you you know, you know it's coming up because we're starting to get all the trailers for the tragedy of Lady Macbeth or whatever it is. Yeah. That the Brothers. Oh, anyway. another Francis McDormand Oscar for you. There we go. <laughs> exactly. And funnily enough, she's in The French Dispatch. So, right. right. Wes Anderson being Wes Anderson in what might be the most Wes Andersonian movie yet. So this is the story of a Kansas City newspaper, like weekend supplement edition. So okay. it's the supplement edition for this Kansas City newspaper that's based in a fictional small town in France. So, so far, so Wes Anderson. That's populated by this smorgasbord of hipster American journalists. And, and this runs from like the 50s to the 80s, depending on which bit you're watching. Uh, all star cast, so it includes, you know, Bill Murray, you know, Tilda Swinton's in there, Owen Wilson's in there, uh, Jeffrey Wright's in there. And Jeffrey Wright, incidentally, doing a brilliant uh, rendition of James Baldwin. Because he even does the famous interview from I Am Not Your Negro. Like, he does that with Liev Schreiber, who is also in this movie. Uh, alongside, sorry, let's keep going through this cast. So, Timothy Chalamet, Adrian Brody, Benice. It's a Wes Anderson movie. You know there's going to yeah. be a, a, a hell of a cast roster. It's a top-tier talented troupe, as it were. And over the course of three stories, we get three of the articles from the French Dispatch, like a New Yorker-style magazine. Mm. And we see each of these stories that are then going to be reported. We see each of them, how they actually unfolded. Now, this is the second of the three stories, which stars Timothy Chalamet and Francis McDormand, and is about an aspiring revolutionary in, I think, the 50s, who happens to have a sort of May-September romance with a journalist played by Francis McDormand. I'm naked, Mrs. Cremens. I can see that. Why are you crying? Tear gas. Also, I suppose I'm sad. Please turn away. I feel shy about my new muscles. Go tell your parents you're home. They're worried. I'm expected back on the barricades. I didn't see any barricades. Well, we're still constructing them. Uh-huh. What are you writing? Our manifesto. I told them not to invite Paul, by the way. 
Maybe you're sad, but you don't seem lonely to me. Exactly. I saw you at the protest on top of a bookcase taking notes. Is there a story in us? For the people of Kansas? Maybe. Then you should study our resolutions. Or anyway, will you proofread it? My parents think you're a good writer. Hot. Uh, uh, yeah, I can uh, feel uncomfortable with all that sexual tension. Um, <laughs> do, you know, I was like, do, do you feel like you needed a cold shower after that? You either, uh, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, so I've got two questions for you. Number one on the casting. Is Saoirse Ronan in this? Yes. Yes, she is, actually. But it's a Wes Anderson movie, so she only turns up for like two lines and you sort of forget because that's what happens with big name actors in these movies, you know? Yeah, Edward, she was in... Edward yeah. Norton has a similar thing, actually, in this. Edward Norton turns up for a very tiny bit as well. Okay, interesting. Okay, and then, um, so I am not a avid Wes Anderson fan. I like Isle of Dogs. Um, I also, like, the one thing that made me step into this space is actually the Grand Budapest Hotel. Mm. And that, for me, is kind of the most commercial of his offerings. So where does this sit for a general audience who might not, you know, be watching every single Wes Anderson movie? Will they enjoy this one? One and a uh, one and a half of the two th- of the th- of the three acts of this movie will entertain you, I think. Okay. The first act with Adrian Brody and Benicio del Toro is fantastic. I think that's genuinely great. Uh, laughed myself senseless. I actually cared about the story. I thought the performances are very good. Uh, Adrian Brody doing something very different as well, like more madcap than I think we've ever seen him. Uh, the second story, which is the, the Chalamet and Francis McDormand one, yowzers. I'm sorry, you're many things, Wes Anderson. You are not Woody Allen. Um, the th- <laughs> thankfully, um, the third one of these. You've got Jeffrey Wright hang and, and Lee F. Schreiber sort of hang all together with this James Baldwin bit, but the rest of it just feels quite convoluted and doesn't quite work. It's a mixed bag. I think he's trying to have his cake and eat it. Even the staunchest Wes Anderson fan would say that there are different levels, different tones mm. that he goes for, and trying to shove all of those flavours into the same ice cream sundae does not make a tasty dessert. You know what I mean? It still yeah. looks great. looks like nothing else you've, you've seen, nothing else you'll see in the multiplex, because it's a Wes Anderson movie. Of course it does. And it sounds like nothing else you'd see in cinemas because it's a Wes Anderson movie, but it's also not very coherent or consistent. And okay. unfortunately, that is very unlike a Wes, a Wes Anderson movie. So take from that what you will, I would say. Okay, fair enough. So uh, probably not one, probably one for the fans, not for one fans, for yeah. everyone else. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Okay, let's move swiftly on to our next movie of the day. Now, I'm okay. going to tell you, ladies and gents, that I have been hearing from, from the Van Connor grapevine that he has been desperate to talk about our next movie. Uh, take take of that what you will. Um, but uh, let, let's go into um, the synopsis to kick this off of Dear Evan Hansen. I mean, to be honest with you, I'm very inclined to just stop reviewing the movie for the rest of this week on every slot I do and just simply tell people the plot, which rather like watching it in a film, if you simply put it out into the cold light of day, is absolutely horrifying. <clears throat> I'm sure it works great as a stage show. I think you've seen the stage show, haven't you? Have you seen the I haven't seen the stage show, but I know it was it was award-winning. Um, hmm. I think I think it's uh, there were some really great actors that were in it. I will yeah. rack my brain to find out who that is and remind you of it. But yeah, this one is uh, very much one of those ones that's followed on to suddenly yeah. now becoming a film in, in the light of its success on stage. I only know of it from ads on the tube. Just full disclosure, that's all I know of it. Uh, So obviously I went into this movie cold. And what I was presented with... (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) 
Evan Hansen is, I think, a 16-year-old boy who for some reason is presented to us as, like, a mid-30s version of Paul Simon wearing Free Guy cosplay. It's the weirdest thing. And he's got cast. It's Ben Platt, isn't it? Ben Platt, yes. Ben Platt, who's the noticeably the only cast member to carry over from the stage show. Coincidentally, his dad is a producer on this. Take from that what you will. Right, Evan Hansen is a 16-year-old boy with crippling mental health issues that are also very hazily un- ill-defined um, that evidently render him absolutely incapable of functioning in any way, shape, or form in the outside world. Um, Again, this is played by Ben Platt. In his mid-30s, free guy cosplay, Paul Simon. Anyway, goes to school, I think, on his first day, and he's doing this therapy assignment where he has to write letters to himself. Hence the clever title of the movie, Dear Evan Hansen. The school bully, presented to us as this sort of Columbine-level psychopath, gets into it with him and snatches one of the letters and then happens to off himself, I think, the same night. Um, the reason I keep bringing up that this is on the same day and the same night is because in the next scene we get we get told that this was a week later and the movie in no way presents that passage of time. It's one of the many ways in which they've really not thought this movie through. Because the kid has killed himself with Evan Hansen's letter on his body, the parents, played by uh, Amy Adams, I almost said Amy Acker, would have been a better movie, mm-hmm. uh, Amy Adams and the brother-in-law from Caprica, whose name I forget, wrongly assume that Evan was the dead kid's best friend that they just didn't know about. And they sort of bring him into the fold. Now, out of partly awkwardness, he goes along with this. I say partly because he's more motivated by this overriding desire he has to get with the dead kid's sister. All of this, incidentally, is a musical. Here's Evan Hansen. So you just didn't eat last night? I wasn't hungry. You're a senior in high school. You need to be able to order dinner for yourself. You can do it all online. You don't have to talk to anybody. Okay, well, that's not that's not true, actually, though, because um, the credit card's expired, so you have to meet the delivery person at the door. You know, you have to pay them with cash at the door. You have to greet them. You know, you have to figure out the right, the right, um, the, the proper greeting. Okay. This is what you're supposed to be working on, sweetheart, with Dr. Sherman. Have you been doing those letters he wants you to do? Dear Evan Hansen. I mean, I'm definitely... I've been trying to. Those letters are important, honey. You have to keep working. You can't go back to where you were last year, right? There has been a mixed bag of reviews. So even you spoke, Mark Commode, who found it, I think, was the words... Um, cute, charming. I think. I think so. Charming or cute is one of the, it was one of the c words, and not the one I would have used. Uh, cute yeah. or charming, I think. I forget which one it was. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, compared to his re- review and th- initial thoughts of it, why is yours so scathing? <laughs> this plays like what would happen if you dragged Ryan Murphy out of whatever overpriced restaurant he was sat in at this given moment in time, put a gun to his head, and said, "Right, I want you to turn you." into a musical. This is exactly what you'd get. I mean, Ben Platt is deranged. First of all, Ben Platt is, you know, he's done this on stage. So he, he's done this many, many times. He will have done this over a thousand times. I think I did the math at one point and worked out the number of shows he would have had to have performed. And it is over a thousand, I think. Um, obviously, he has a very distinct handle and he knows this character and he knows how to play it. Dot, 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 on stage. This is Mm. not stage. The rest of the cast of this are not stage musical performers. They're actors. Amy Adams ain't playing this for Broadway. Amy Adams is playing this for an Oscar. Julianne Moore, who incidentally cannot sing the word truck, it's the most bizarre thing. She does a whole song where she has to say the word truck about nine times. She can't pronounce the word truck. It's bizarre. Um, 
they're all playing it like actors. Caitlin Deaver, who incidentally plays the the, the, the spy, the would-be love interest in this, you know, the dead kid sister that mm. he's trying to get with, because this is a really heartfelt movie. Um, they're all actors, film actors, cinematic performers. Ben Platt ain't at all. No. Mm. And what you get as a result is this movie in which everyone's playing it straight. And then, and I, I've not even really gotten to the biggest issue with this yet. You, then you have Ben Platt whisper singing in everyone's faces, playing it like this madcap, unhinged stage performer. And then you get to the big problem. I need to know how it's okay that this performance exists. I need to know, genuinely, post Breaking Bad, post The Sun on Breaking Bad, speaking out about this, post Donald Trump making that famous speech in which he did a certain shaky-handed gesture, and post the entire existence and response to Tropic Thunder, how in the hell this is acceptable? Doing it with this madcap, unhinged, whisper-sing performance right into the face of, for instance, Caitlin Diva, is where you start to think of certain tweets that other critics have, have put out. Things like, this works a lot better if you just assume that he killed the other kid early on instead of him actually taking his own life. And that actually makes all the sense in the world. This is deranged. This is the kind of film that I think if you found anything redeeming in, you need to have a conversation with someone about something that's clearly wrong in your life. This is no, no, not at all. Putting aside the fact that it's a crap film, that performance, I'm sorry, is offensive. Welcome back to Off Screen, and I'm hoping after that short break that Van has recovered from how he feels about uh, Dear Evan Hansen. Are you okay? <laughs> it, it's still better than Cats. I mean, academically, okay. just by having a beginning, middle, and end is just automatically better than Cats. But you know what? Our next film, at least, is significantly better than Dear Evan Hansen. Yes. I actually would willingly watch this again without having to like have a gun to my head or like loved ones threatened. Uh, so, we? You've seen this as well, which which I, I have. I'm, yes. I'm looking forward to discussing. Can I ask them, before we talk about the Boss Baby 2 family business, genuine question, because I've not yeah. I've not queued you up for this. Okay. Prior to watching the Boss Baby 2 family business, did you remember anything about the Boss Baby other than Salik Baldwin as the Boss Baby? No, absolutely yeah. not. Yeah. Did you also and it didn't make affect the same my... mistake it... I did? Go oh, gone. So, did you did you also make the same mistake I did, which is you mixed it up with certain elements of the plot of Storks? Oh, I haven't seen Storks. Oh, okay. so no. I had that problem okay. all the way through. I kept thinking, right. oh, but don't they do? Doesn't it work this way? Like, oh no, that was that was the Andy Samberg one. That was Storks. So it's right. Boss Baby, no. Talking Baby, who's Alec Baldwin, who. He's, he's born with a sword yeah so from the it. first film so you kind of don't need to watch the first film you'll get the gist from this anyway yeah. but basically yeah. he he is um yeah he was the boss baby he has his brother tim as well who is the other uh kid in the first movie they have about now both grown up and as a mm. result have both drifted apart from each other so the boss baby has become an incredibly successful businessman and mm. tim has uh been your suburban normal family man in fact he is still living like a big kid because he's become like a house husband and a stay-at-home dad because yeah. his wife is the breadwinner uh, we, and there is nothing wrong with that um and he has then his daughter so one of his daughters is a high achieving 
uh, you know, I suppose preschooler or middle, oh, sorry, mm. not preschool. Yeah, like she's, I yeah, don't she really is, know like, what age school. she is. Pre- yeah. yeah, infant school. Yeah. And then his younger baby daughter decides to get into the family business. And before you know it, she reveals herself as yet another little boss baby. Thanks so much for coming in, ladies. Would you like some fruit? Mm. Ow, what was uh, that? Can we get on with this? I miss my teeth. I've decided who's going on the mission. Thank you. I accept. Both of you. Yes! No. Baby Core wants to get the team back together, huh? No. They think that's a terrible idea. Of course they do. Well, I'm the boss, Applesauce, and I think you two are better together than you are apart. Well, I work alone. Or at least not with him. Hey, there's no I in team. Actually, there's no you in team either, but there is an M-E. But teamwork doesn't seem work. Ah, if you want something done right, do it yourself. We're all in it together. Every man for himself. One is the loneliest number. The eyes have it. We the people. Yes, so Amy Sedaris there as the new boss baby. Of course, the biggest question I had going into this is obviously got uh, Alec Baldwin and James Marsden both back as uh, Tim and Ted, I think are the names. Ted is the boss baby. Um, The biggest question I had going into this is it was kind of like the Shrek problem. It's when you end Shrek with them getting married, where do you go from there? And the makers of Shrek have said in, in recent years they deeply regret ending that first movie that way because it tied their hands for the story. Mm. They wouldn't have ended it if they knew that there was any possibility of them having a sequel. Boss Baby did the same kind of thing by allowing them to grow up at the end because what do you do? Do you have to simply have prequels that take place before? And of course the idea is, well, we'll just turn them into babies. And frankly, within the sort of twisted logic of, you know, the first movie, that makes sense. The only thing this likes, because it's exactly as good as the first one. Like, yeah. it's exactly as good. I'd argue that I think Jeff Goldblum is the villain here, and I think the villain, was it Steve yes. Buscemi in the first one, I think? Um, I can't remember, I would but argue, he's Dr. Armstrong in this one. Yeah, I'd argue the biggest problem with this one is they've sanded down the edges a bit too much. The, the sharp wit, which, don't get me wrong, played a lot better, presumably, when they were making the first one, and it was pre-Trump. Because we've got to forget mm. the first one was made in a time before the before corporate America had really shown its nastier face that it has in the last five years, and the business world had seen something of an upheaval. So this presumably played a lot better by filing down those nastier edges. What you have is a film that I don't think parents will particularly engage with anywhere near as well. Alec Baldwin is still faintly amusing, and that mm. works. But a- Amy Sedaris, for instance, who I still can't tell you what we're supposed to know Amy Sedaris from. I'm, I'm, she's been in movies for decades. I don't know what she's supposed to be, what, what her breakout role is originally. But um, yeah, this just doesn't quite hold together as well. But it's still got the flashy, colourful set pieces and the, the sort of wacky humour. My nephew thought it was funny. You know, he's three. That kind of says all you need to know about the boss baby. The parents are going to yeah. have a nap. The kids are going to enjoy, you know. No, I'm with you on that. And I think, you know, for me, it was, you know, it was fun to a point, but it definitely feels more of a kid's movie rather than that bridging yeah. movie that brings in the adults as well. So, look, it's still very much worth your while to watch it. It's, uh, you know, it's it, actually, I think it's quite long for what it is. It's an hour and 47 minutes. It is, um, actually, yeah. It did drag a little bit for me, um, mm. leading up to a big sort of crescendo at the end. But overall... A solid watch. I'm not going to say anything more. You know, if we were to set, pit it at like mm. a, a, out of five stars, I'd probably say it's a solid three and a half. Um, as a as, as a babysitting distraction, it's great. Yeah, babysitting, yeah. absolutely. Just if you you want to watch something to watch with the kids, they'll zone out on this. You can have a nap and they will zone out. And you know what? For the bits you're awake, perfectly fine. Perfectly. Yeah. Fine. 
Yeah. Exactly. Um, let's move swiftly on because there is a big film that I want you to talk about and I can't wait to hear. The biggest. Um, we were just chatting off air about whether or not this is absolutely essential to watch on the big screen. And I think we're going towards, yes, absolutely it is. Of course, we're talking about Denis Villeneuve's Dune. Uh, highly anticipated, especially around science fiction aficionados worried slightly that a general audience isn't going to rush the cinema to give it the the um, props that it deserves and that was exactly the same problem that Blade Runner 2049 had but I know you watched it every review I've seen has been like breathtaking it's amazing how does it stack up I'm just I'm not going to bury the lead on this one because first of all we are going to have to talk about the plot of Dune for people who don't know Dune and that could take <laughs> 10 solid minutes if you phrased it in, in, in a delicate way um, I will say though fans of Dune are going to see this and they have no reason other than not getting a part two they'll have no reason ever to complain that they were not presented with the definitive interpretation and adaptation of Frank Herbert's seminal work of science fiction it's gonna make no money like none <laughs> but it, you know like this has no blockbuster mainstream appeal whatsoever oh i'm sorry are the multiplex audiences turning out for timothy chalamet are they really yeah i see him leading the next marvel movie no they're not turning out you're not no one's guzzling popcorn through this okay but you know what it is an excellent excellent science fiction movie it's absolutely not it's absolutely in the same league maybe though not on par with blade runner 2049 it's great anyway all-star cast, Timothy Chalamet, Rebecca Ferguson, Oscar Isaac, uh, uh, Josh Brolin, uh, Zendaya. Batista, Zendaya. And most of these people appear and only have like a couple of moments. Like Zendaya has like two lines. But, you know, it's a big name cast. It's part one of two, allegedly, adaptation of the novel, galactic sci-fi kingdom, effectively. One of the great houses is told by the emperor, go and take over the mining operation on this desert world that have their own indigenous people there that you are effectively going to have to rule over and subjugate. And there is a deeper bit of law going on. There is a conspiracy element. There is a, a chosen one element where the son of this great household, Paul Atreides of the House Atreides, played by Timothy Chalamet, may or may not be a sort of psychic space messiah. But you know what? Here's about the most mainstream clip we could come up with. Here's him. Here's he growing out with Jason Momoa. I've been having dreams about Arrakis and the Fremen. Okay. So I saw you. Ah, uh, so I do find them. There you go, that's a good omen right there, right? You know what I love about mm -hmm. when Denis Villeneuve takes on a, a, a show, a, a film like this, is, mm, is yeah. the grandeur of it, the yeah, spectacle yeah. of it. He is a true auteur when it comes to knowing what an audience wants to see on a big screen. Yeah. I worry about it translating to a small screen and having that kind of gravity effect where this is only really for for its um you know its cinematic audience. Mm. But I also worry that you said that this is part one of two, because if this does not make the money, we ain't seeing part two, are we? 
for how much money they spent on making this movie, there is not a chance in hell. Short of it actually being how they paid off Denis Villeneuve after the HBO Max decision at the end of last year, which I can believe, I can, he has said that there has, he's said in interviews that there have been assurances made to him. Now, I could very easily interpret that or believe that that is a case of when they had to start doling out checks to all the filmmakers last Christmas, sorry, we're dumping your movie onto streaming, you know, being the social sentiment, I would absolutely buy that the Denis Villeneuve was more concerned with getting that part two that he would have strong-armed them and said, just assure me that we're getting part two and I don't think any of us want the extra money. We'll just take part two and release it theatrically. I would believe that. For how much this is spent, he just had to, hasn't got the clout. There's no mainstream appeal in this. Critics like you and I will watch this, come away, and exactly as we did with Blade Runner 2049 say, this is a fantastic work of science fiction that's like nothing else you will see. It is a singular vision. It is absolutely a wonderful wonderful work of science fiction cinema joe public is going to see this on day one come out and tell his friends and rightly absolutely understandably yeah, it, it really great look it was boring as hell and i will absolutely understand them doing that in the mm -hmm. same way that i will understand them having done that for blade runner 2049 because that's the reality of it. I think it's quite well done storytelling, but I do think it has been very narrow-mindedly made without much of a closed ending. It more or less just ends Lord of the Rings style on a end of part one, come back next time, come back in four years' time. But I think it's excellent. I think it's a really great movie, despite the fact that it's half a great movie. <laughs> yeah. On another note, have you seen David Lynch's 1980s version of Dune? No, and I was thinking, do I watch, should I watch that before I go and see Dune? Watch it, and watch it very secure in the knowledge that the first two and a half hours of, of David Lynch's Dune make up the exact text of the entire two and a half hours of Denis Villeneuve's Dune. It's just that David Lynch padded out the remaining half of the story, in, well, not padded out, but compressed it all into half an hour of montages with voiceover. That's how the how the quote unquote original Dune. It's not the first adaptation. Wouldn't even wasn't even the first attempt to do a film adaptation. Jodorowsky, uh, I think, did, did uh, Jodorowsky. I think came first mm. in the seventies. But uh, and there's an entire documentary about that one. But yeah, I would say it's interesting to watch the two. I watched Lynch's after you know for the first time many years after watching Villeneuve's, and I would say Lynch has been done dirty over the years. I think. Okay. He deserves some of it for that last half an hour, but I think he's been done dirty. And I think when people watch these two versions, they will wonder exactly what that was about. Yeah, and also, it's just to warn you guys, it's two and a half hours. Two and a half, yeah. Yeah, yeah so it's a big run time. But you know what? I caught Bond at the, uh, at the, uh, the weekend, and I have to say those two and a half hours, or two hours yeah. 45, just flew by. So fingers crossed we get the same with this. It's, it's a cinema experience, though, I will say that. I've yeah. seen it both on HBO Max and in cinema, and I can genuinely tell you, plonk down the money, See, in fact, just see it in IMAX or not at all would be a, would be, would be the yeah. further step I'd take. IMAX this or don't see it at all. Think of this as gravity in that exact same way. Welcome back to Off Screen. So we moved from the cinema to your couch and we have got quite the selection for you uh, this week, which I'm really excited because we're kicking off with a double bill on your Saturday night, which is three men and a baby and three men and a little lady. Uh, two of my 
favourite films growing up with. Um, this is on great movies at 4.45pm. Ted Danson, Steve Guttenberg, Tom Selleck. Oh, it's just... I love it. I love it so much. It's so classic. All the feels. The concept, yeah, it is. And the best part is, <clears throat> the concept is so basic and has been done to death yeah. so many times elsewhere. It's, <clears throat> you know, it's, it's, it's the wayward bachelor. It's the kid dropped off on his doorstep. The, the central gimmick here, the novelty, is that there's three of them. Although, a couple of weird things about this movie. I mean, we'll play a clip in a moment of Gutenberg and Dancer. But before I play this, one of these points. How weird is it to watch this movie now? Like watching Ted Danson with his stash. Uh, sorry, Ted Danson yeah. as, the, as, his, as the actor. Tom with Selleck guy. with his Tom Selleck stash. with the stash and Steve and an adult Steve Gutenberg, knowing full well that these men are meant to be like in their late 20s. Oh I mean, they're God. a decade younger than us in this movie. And yeah, they, they seem like they're middle-aged already. I know it's the 80s and everyone was like that, but I'll get to this and I've got two things to tell you about this movie, at least one of which I'm sure you won't know. All right, so, now these tape things go in the front and the back. Uh, how am I supposed to know? There. Whoa! These diapers are way too big. What size did you get? They're ultra-absorbent. The more absorbent, the better, if you ask me. Will you hold her for a minute? The kid's going crazy. I, I don't want to. Come on, Michael. Hey, don't pull that so hard. It's going to rip. I'm not going to rip it. Yes, you are. All right, well, okay. Uh, get me another diaper. I'll use the tape. i use the tape from the diaper. I'll tape it up. I'm an architect, for Christ's sakes. I build 50-story skyscrapers. I assemble cities of the future. I can certainly put together a goddamn diaper. Take it easy, kid. All right? Oh, my goodness. I just so much nostalgia there. Um, this, to me, represents um, good, clean fun, right, in the movies. Yeah. It's- yeah. yeah. To be fair, it's, it's it's rated quite it's rated quite low on like the PG spectrum as well, but it has some vaguely adult humour in that 80s-ish way that still flies with younger audiences. Yeah, totally. And um, I remember growing up, and actually this refers to Three Men and a Little Lady when they mm. go to England. There was this whole <laughs> yes. thing about if you look really carefully, I've never found this. Apparently, there's a ghost in the shot. No, no, it's the first one. It's it's the very first one. one. It's the first one. It's an urban legend. Now, the way this actually works is it comes up in a deleted scene. Because Ted Danson's character is an actor, and like he's off doing commercials for the bulk of he's off doing a role for the bulk of the first movie's plot, like that's how he's not involved. Um, it's a cardboard standee of him in an advert. And this gets brought (laughs) up in a deleted scene, and then but then he's left in the background in another scene. But because he's in the background, he looks shorter. People interpreted this as it was a kid who died in the building. Yes. Not even the weirdest. Do you know who directed Three Men and a Baby? No. Genuine question. No, I don't. Leonard Nimoy. Mr. Spock. Mr. Spock. Mr. Spock. Do you know how well financially this did? Probably badly. I think it's no. like... Oh, God, exact, really? Exact opposite direction. This was the highest grossing movie of 1987, overtaking Fatal Attraction. That is a true story. Wow, wow, that's amazing. Well, listen, you're getting yeah. you're getting two for the price of one when on that one, highest. Uh, so this that. is on Saturday night. Uh, this is your Saturday night movie. Uh, well, Saturday afternoon movie, which is perfect because I, I could just sit there and just not watch anything else but these movies back to back. So it's on great movies on Saturday um, at 4.45 p.m. Moving on to Sunday, another great movie. Michael Fassbender steps into the shoes of Steve Jobs on 5 Select at 9 p.m. I... This, for me, is a movie like a play. This plays out. This is a three-hander, isn't it? So it's between Steve Jobs, Mm. uh, Steve Wozniacki, and I can't remember who Kate Winslet's character, the name of... of, She's uh, uh, the journalist. 
the journalist Jim set. And it's basically... Jim was as a journalist, I think. Yeah, so then it's just basically them kind of in a room, in a way, um, or walking around kind of Apple at the time. And it's... it's it, it's fascinating. I've got that completely wrong, and you've just triggered me by saying uh, they're walking around Apple. She does work for Apple. She's not the journalist. Sorry. Right. About that. Okay. My, That's my mistake. Fine. Um, um, no, this is the, you mean though. This is this is the one with uh, Seth Rogen as Wozniak. Yeah. And it, this is the really really good. Like Fassbender does get the performance really well. I think in this because at the same time that came out, there was the Ashton Kutcher uh, Steve Jobs movie as well. Jobs was that Jobs? I think that was Jobs, and that just didn't mm. really work. Whereas no. this one was kind of the one that was nominated at award season, and there was like you know real props to to how they pu- pulled this one off. I, re- I I love this movie. I think it's a great Sunday Sunday night. Movie. I know exactly why you like this movie, Bex. Um, oh yeah. Even even if you don't know this information. I feel like on some subconscious level you do, and that's why you love it. It's because it's written by Aaron Sorkin. That's why oh, you love it. I mean, of, co- of course it is. I will say as well, though, the definitive Steve Jobs, and, and I'm going to chuck this out for my boy Adam Hewitt, because he and I love this movie. It's a forgotten film, and the best Steve Jobs was Noah Wiley in 1998's Pirates of Silicon Valley, in which he starred opposite Anthony Michael Hall from Halloween Kills as Bill Gates, and it's Great. It's a genuinely great movie. If you ever get the chance to see it, absolutely you should. Uh, On to another great movie, though. Monday night, 9pm on ITV4. We'll be very quick on this one. Mm. Um, Michael Mann's Collateral, starring Jamie Foxx and a very against-type Tom Cruise, in which a hitman basically hijacks a cab driver to serve as his chauffeur for one night, whilst he just goes and does the rounds, taking out his target. The big twist being... The hitman here is 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 Tom Cruise. He's been played by Tom Cruise. That's the you'd expect it to be Jamie Foxx, but no, Jamie Foxx is the cab driver. How good is Collateral Bex? It's so good. Have you just given a spoiler away though? No. No, 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 no. That's literally the plot of the movie. It's like it, it's Tom Cruise. No, from the marketing perspective, you you would have marketed this, wouldn't you? As like yeah. it'd be obvious that Jamie Foxx would be the hitman. Like Yeah. Great movie. Cruise. And actually, for a Monday night, I think if you're wanting to kickstart your week with a bit of an adrenaline rush. This is going to be the movie that you're going to want to watch. Um, It's on at nine o'clock on ITV4. Of course, it wouldn't be a week without some sort of horror put in there. And obviously, when Van Van takes a look at all the movies that I've pulled together, sometimes he goes, oh, yeah, this will be nice, but where's the horror? And Tuesday night is when he's done this. And he's, I don't know what he's swapped out. Or maybe it was one of those days that I said, you know what, you can pick. I'm going to let you pick. You said you pick, I think. Oh, okay, fine. I went with the... I went with four of my favourite things in the world. Trash cinema, horror, action and John Carpenter. I give you <laughs> John Carpenter's Vampires, which is on the Horror Channel at 9pm. It's not an, not an amazing movie or, or anything, but it is just trashy fun. And it is, well, I mean, he's, he's problematic now. He was less so then. Uh, James Woods, as the leader of a Vatican-sanctioned vampire hunting team who trolled the backwater deserts of, like, New Mexico and Texas. And just, like, drive around, like, carrying cross in the back of pickup trucks and hunting vampire nests all day and then just getting drunk all night and then getting picked off by a vampire leader that only James Woods can, of course, hunt down and take out. Here he is basically giving all the exposition to their new, newly assigned Vatican liaison. Have you ever seen a vampire? No. Well, first of all, they're not romantic, all right? It's not like they're a bunch of hopping around in rented formal wear and seducing everybody in sight with cheesy Euro trash accents, all right? Forget whatever you've seen in the movies. They don't turn into bats. Crosses don't work. Garlic? Want to try garlic? You stand there with garlic around your neck. Why don't you bend you over and take a walk up your strata chocolata while he's sucking the blood out of your neck, all right? And they don't sleep in coffins lined in taffeta. 
You want to kill one? You drive a wooden stake right through his heart. Sunlight turns them into crispy critters. So there's like your traditional vampire movies, you know, the kind of Bella Lugosi sort of, you know, like a Count Dracula kind of stuff. And then you've got this kind of um, from dusk till dawn, redneck, you know, yeah. out in the desert kind of vampire movies. And I have to say, I love the latter. Like this it's, for it's, me it's, it's, it's even got a Baldwin. It's even got a Baldwin. That's that's how much fun. It is. Not one of the good Baldwins, but it's got our Baldwin. So technically, it counts. It's. And I'm not pitching you Adam Baldwin neither. I'm giving you an actual pure blood Baldwin, a Stephen? Daniel Baldwin in this case. No, oh, no, okay. no, this is not classy enough to have Stephen. This is Daniel. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> let's move on to let's move on to uh, District Nine, which is on Wednesday on Great Movies as well. That's happening at eleven ten p.m. District Nine. Um, what was the name of the director of this? Neil, Neil Blomkamp. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I remember watching this and going, "Oh my god, this is like something that's mm. going to change the game." And you yeah. know, and I really did think that. And I loved everything about this. I mean, it's it's about essentially a, an extraterrestrial race that is forced to live in like these slum conditions on Earth, and they find. I suppose there's a there's a government agent that exposes their their biotechnology Vickers, and Vickers? I think his name's Vickers something, Vickers. isn't he? Yeah, I, I can hear the accent in my head, Vickers. Vickers, but it's um it's just a brilliantly solid movie, and then like Neil mm. Blomkamp just doesn't really ever come to prominence. Never after makes this, which is never a shame. makes good on this, and we will we'll mention him again when we get to the DVD section, incidentally, because he has got a new movie out next week. Yeah. Um, real real quick, though, so that's on uh, ten past eleven, as you say, on great movies on Wednesday, uh, Thursday night. We'll probably have to skip the clip for time reasons. Uh, Red Sparrow, Jennifer Lawrence's spy movie from is it three years ago now? This is on uh, uh, nine p.m. on Thursday night on Film Four, which is probably a good time for it, I think. Yeah, right? it is. It's very um, it's about like training, not KGB training, but they're called Sparrow but it's similar mm. stuff to if you can imagine this um it's like black widow but serious isn't it yeah exactly and i, I really like this it's it, like i say it's very provocative in parts it's very mm. serious it's kind of it's got that kind of dull soviet kind of look and feel and stark and bleak there's a lot of camo and gray <laughs> yeah there really is and like really like velvet walls on like in, internal walls in the rooms and stuff it's, it's yeah, very yeah. it's very strange um but it's um I, I think this is quite a solid movie and for jennifer lawrence she was obviously trying her hand at something new something different yeah, and it, it works yeah. for that reason and then finally She's the let's yeah, a hundred percent, hundred percent. I don't think it hits the heights that everyone was expecting, but I think it's definitely a solid yeah. watch for you for your Thursday night. Anyway, Friday. Oh my goodness, I love this movie. It's on. Oh, great movies is having a brilliant run this week. At seven o five p.m. on Friday. Turner and Hooch. We started with the eighties. We're going to finish with the eighties because yep. uh, Tom Tom Hanks and a dog. It's amazing. I'm just going to point out as well. Okay, so we would start out talking about Three Men, the Three Men series. That's getting remade for Disney Plus with Zac Efron. Turner and Hooch is now a Disney Plus series with Lindsay Fonseca and Josh Peck. And I only know that because of Instagram. So, uh -huh. yeah, there's a real Disney Plus connection running through this week as well. I'm reasonably sure there's probably a District 9 series being developed for streaming over there as well. It's because there are these classic formulas that work. Hmm. And, you know, and it's about bringing new audiences into that. Whether or not us as the old nostalgic audience want to see that is a whole different thing, though. 
it is weird to think now that obviously Tom Hanks, like we, we know, would win this today. It wasn't a, a cert back then, but there was a Deep Impact Armageddon-style rivalry between cop and dog partner movies. And on the one hand, you had Turner and Hooch, which looked like the sort of raggedy underdog. Mm. And then you had the slightly more at-market one, which was K-9. Yes! Which starred, yeah, which starred, is it Jim Belushi, isn't it? It's James Belushi. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, which was yeah. the same movie. But obviously the Tom Hanks one had bags more charm. Yeah, exactly. So look, if you're after a charmingly fitting end to your your week and the kicking off of the weekend, then Turner and Hooch is the movie for you. And that's on at 7.05pm on Great Movies on Friday. Well, that is all of our picks for keeping you on the couch. We're going to keep you there to some extent if you're wanting to get out your DVD, Blu-rays and streaming. But that is the world beyond what is on Freeview. So stick with us. We'll be back very shortly. Welcome back for one last ride off screen. So, taking you down the DVD, Blu-ray, we should actually call it DVD, Blu-ray and digital, really, if we're being technical, because if it's out on DVD and Blu-ray, it's guaranteed that it's out on digital, right? Like, that's mm, a logic. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, anyway, so we've actually got, you know, when we have those weeks, we have nothing. We've got one of those this week, we've got three. Last week, we had four or five, didn't we? But... Uh, Week before that, zero. So it's funny how these things are working. This week, Shyamalan is coming to shiny disc formats. Um, you were just saying that you hadn't had the chance to catch this one yet, Bex. Um, no. You now can. Yeah, old yeah. is finally here. This was, I thought, pretty decent, actually. You're familiar with the concept, aren't you? So uh, uh, the concept is is that they go on, this pe- family or people go onto an island mm-hmm. and they start aging, like, really quickly. Um, yeah, and that's the it's, horror it's of it. <laughs> like a resort. I think it's like a, a group of couples and families at, at a resort get told yeah. there's a private beach down there, you should go down there, it's really great. They go down there, they find they're trapped. Not only are they trapped, like sort because of, the whole thing is like a Twilight Zone episode, um, but that they are ageing at an increased rate. And they only start to notice this, of course, when their very young children then sort of immediately become Alex Wolf, for instance. You mm. know, they become like teenagers. I think not bad. If you're looking for a sort of fun thriller that's probably not going to go where you think it's going to go check this out this is worth this is worth a look i think it's not one of the strongest Shyamalan movies but it's a Shyamalan movie in 2021 i mean yeah i mean Shyamalan Shyamalan's interesting he he's one of my hit and miss directors sometimes he pulls out an absolute corker Hmm. and then sometimes it's just a bit sort of like meh but that's good that's really good to hear on this now something that is not an absolute corker and in fact something that should be avoided at all costs but we have a duty to tell you that it is out is uh space jam a new legacy oh my goodness um this is one of the first movies i think did we watch this like post when cinemas started opening and we could go back into screenings or something and we one of the one of the first weeks i think wasn't it because this was like mid-july or something mid-july and we were like yeah we're back and then we watched this and we're like oh my god send me home (laughs) (laughs) Literally. <laughs> this was soulless. Oh my god! So LeBron James is is the Michael Jordan character in this, and mm. and anyone that has watched the original Space Jam has an affinity, a love, a nostalgic connection to it. So was genuinely excited to see what they're going to do with this. You know the thing as well is, I, I've just said that it was soulless. Obviously, the original is soulless, but you know it, it's a corporate you know, it's a corporate object, it's a commodity, it's obviously not a film. But at least everyone felt like they were enjoying, everyone except Bill Murray felt like they were enjoying themselves being there, you know? Yeah. This yeah. just feels like everybody here just wanted to die. You know what who I mean? Like, is, who was the guy that plays the AI in this? It's... 
Uh, Rody, Rody, that's Don Cheadle, man. That's Don Cheadle. Algae Al- Al- Rhythm is played by Don, by Al- Don Cheadle. Rhythm. Yeah. If you've ever seen a fantastic actor failed by a terrible <laughs> script, this is the movie for you. Don it's Cheadle, awful what they've done to Don him. Don Cheadle was more emotionally invested in the o- in Ocean's Twelve than he is in Space Jam: A New Legacy. That's how low this is. This is anyway. Just so um, terrible. <laughs> on which notes, uh, here's Peppy. Uh, Pepper. Here's Porky Pig rapping. We rapping now. We rapping. Show them who you really are, notorious P.I.G. Oh, oh boy, here goes nothing. What up? It's Porky Pig. They call me P Double. Al G stepped to me. He don't want no trouble. I was famous before the internet. Since 1935, I've been getting respect. This pig is lit. I'm super legit. Every time I'm out in public, people asking me for pics. You, nobody knows you when you walk the street. How your last name, rhythm, and you're still off beat. From beginning to the end, I'm here for all the smoke. Your squad ain't all star. Your squad is all jokes. And this with one bar, most famous of all quotes. This battle is now over. The that, that's all, folks. Let's hope that is all folks yeah. um yeah. let's move swiftly on from that right we talked about neil blumkampf uh, in uh, district nine on your freeview offerings we're going to talk about him again in demonic van yeah this is basically like this is his covid project essentially this is what he made during lockdown stars carly pope you might remember as uh, one of the two leads from the tv series popular once upon oh, yeah. a time if you, yeah you remember she was the brunette one yeah yes. okay yeah, okay, 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 okay. yeah she was because it was at the the Brunette's mum married the blonde's dad. Ah, I forget. Anyway, that's that's popular. But the whole thing is that talking about popular is infinitely more enjoyable than talking about demonic, which is this really ramshackle, <laughs> quite badly put together riff on the cell of all things. Remember the cell with oh, wow. J Lo yeah. and Vincent D'Onofrio from like 20, 20 years ago, two thousand two thousand one, I think. This is basically him that. <laughs> D'Onofrio. So you call him D'Onofrio. I call him Donofrino. <laughs> <laughs> trust, trust me as a Marvel fan, Snarfrio. Um, <laughs> it is literally, it's literally the same plot as Demonic. So a woman uh, you know, needs to get, you know, get through to, to, to someone using virtual reality. You're like, oh god! But it's done as this sort of possession horror movie. Not very good. Can't advise that you watch it. But if you absolutely need to pick up something whilst you're picking up the Papa John's, you know, this weekend, then uh, it's a quick grab in Sainsbury's, I suppose. Uh, On to streaming. And one that does have some bizarre potential, actually, is a new movie that has ties to uh, Zack Snyder, of all things. It's uh, Army of Thieves, which is out yeah. on Netflix on the 29th, on next, next Friday. Did you know about this one? I didn't know about it, but I think you and I have conflicting views about Army of the Dead. Is it Army of the Dead? Yeah. It is Army of the Dead. This is the yeah. kind of the prequel to Army of the Dead. This is well, like a heist case, movie. Not I'm about the zombies, excited. though. It's just a heist movie that's unconnected, but he's invo- involved certain characters from. I really enjoyed Army of yeah. the Dead, and I I know you didn't love it, but I found it like bags fun. of fun. That was yeah. fun. I had, I had good, some good times with it. Yeah, exactly. So I'm actually quite excited. So has Zack Snyder made this one as well? I think he's just a producer on it, and I think this is like uh-huh. one of his second unit people or his stuntman. The character, I think it's the Safecracker character, you know, the sort of uh, quirky, was he German or something? Oh, kind of? yes. The blonde yeah, yeah, guy, yeah. it's him. It's his story, effectively, but his prequel kind of story. That's I what this I've movie is. I think I've seen a trailer for this. Yes. Well, we, might, think... we might have to review it for next week. We don't know yet. <laughs> we okay, find okay. Well, I, but, I'm quite yeah. excited about that, to be honest. Um, and then moving on, um, our great film uh, to yeah. end 
end the show today we are talking on disney plus on friday is ready or not um this is like um you know we brought you films like escape room and stuff like that which is all based around games this is like a really almost like gothic style game thing where basically it starts off with a young married couple who um who get and finally sort of enter into this big sort of grand family and they discover that is is it every year they play this game? No, um, no, it's every no, no, it's every time one of them gets married. Ah, okay. Thing. Every time a new member of the family, every time a new person is brought into the family, it is tradition for this board game empire running family to yes. be dealt a card, and they will play whichever game the card tells them. Only our lead here, played by Samara Weaving or Sam Weaving, depending on what you call her, um, has the misfortune of drawing the card that uh, offers up the most deadliest of all the games, hide and seek. I have to call the others. No, you don't. No, you can help me, please. This doesn't end well for you. I just don't want to be the one to serve you up. Daniel, I'm begging you. I'm really sorry about all this. It's true what they say, the rich really are different. I'll give you a 10 second head start. Oh, this is rip roaring fun. It is yeah. literally like, go into this, have no expectations and see a fantastic performance from um, Sam Weaving and just enjoy it for what it is. Cause it's like an hour and a half of you going, what the hell's going on? This is nuts. You know who I really loved in this movie as well? Did not see this coming. Did not have, did not go walk into this movie thinking that person's absolutely going to be my MVP. Andy McDowell of all yes. people. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So much fun. Like Adam Brody, you expect to be fun, but not Andy McDowell. Wow. She's like the matriarch of the family, isn't yeah. she? And yeah, no, it's great. Brilliant cast, really fun concept, huge like potential with this movie and it delivers. And I think that's, that's the main thing. And it's got one of those just like, it's, it's got the ability to just go brilliantly like cabin in the woods level gut punching with you, which I yeah. really, I respect any movie that's going to go, uh, the comedian Reginald D. Hunter uh, refers to them as FU movies. Yeah, um, totally I, I, have to, I have to respect that for. But it's a good yeah. one, it's a good one to end the week with. So next Friday, that's on Disney Plus um, alongside Army of Thieves, which is on Netflix. Hell of a way to, uh, to, to end this week, I think ready or not what i'm gonna watch that again i had a hell of a time yeah it's a great great movie right brilliant so listen this is this week's uh off-screen podcast for you uh we will be back as we are every week with more movie offerings which include more big cinematic bumper weeks i'm sure that might be the case week. again oh next week is uh, last night in soho and Ambos, oh, yes. so we probably will get to cover army of fees if there's a screening link going if we're being honest yeah Okay, we'll be looking into that for you guys. So we'll be back as ever. But for now, I've been Bex Perfect. I've been Van Connor and we shall return. <laughs>